We'd like to welcome you to our current event in weekly Bible study for January 24th, 2016. And today, oh, kind of a moderate sized study regarding just a ton of the current events that, that have come up. Some of the major ones, obviously, it's just impossible uh, to keep up with them all, but trying to hit the high points here with what we're looking at, some extremely disturbing information, um, a lot of stuff to pray about, to potentially prepare for. Okay, so without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and get into the first report here. Um, this is entitled Red Alert, to Total Martial Law Granted Under New ISIS War Powers Act. And just a little, before we play this video, a little, uh, I don't know, table of contents. The new authorization for the use of military force against ISIS would not restrict the president's use of ground troops, nor have any limits related to time or geography. This means if this vote passes, the U.S. military can deploy anywhere on the planet, including the U.S. soil, for any length of time. Now, I understand there's probably those of you out there who are saying, well, they can already do that anyway. The point is it's becoming more and more official, in-your-face, they're trying to have this more and more accepted as a, as a uh, just a train of thought that the American populace won't, you know, push back against any of this. So let's just go ahead and roll this brief video here. This is a very important report that you're about to watch, and you're going to need to share this with as many people as you possibly can. We need to get the word out. Red alert, total martial law is now been granted under the new ISIS War Powers Act if it goes into play. That's right. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell offered members a snow weekend surprise late Wednesday night, quietly teeing up a debate on the legal underpinning for the fight against ISIS, according to Sarah Mims as she's reporting for Defense One. After, month, after months of worrying that such a resolution known as an authorization for the use of military force would tie the next president's hands, McConnell's move to fast-track the measure surprised even his top deputy. Senate Majority Whip John Cornyn, he was unaware that McConnell had set up the authorization. Invoking Rule 14, McConnell set up the authorization for a future vote, but does not put it on the calendar, meaning a vote could come at any time. The resolution already has four Republican co-sponsors, Senators Lindsey Graham, Daniel Coates, Johnny Ernst, and Orrin Hatch. Now, here's, here's the kicker. The AUMF put forward by McConnell would not restrict the president's use of ground troops nor had any limits re related to time or geography. I repeat, the authorization for the use of military force against ISIS would not restrict the president's use of ground troops nor have any limits related to time or geography. This basically means if this vote passes, the U.S. military can be deployed anywhere in the world, including in the United States, on United States soil, for any length of time. So under the excuse of ISIS and the new War Powers Act that they are considering right now, I mean, there's a blizzard going on in Washington, D.C., and he, he invokes Rule 14 to go ahead and sneak this into the calendar for a, for a vote at any time that they call it up. Okay, it's not necessarily on the calendar, but the ramifications of this are drastic because with the number of refugees coming into this country, the, the reports we've, we've made here about individuals sneaking into this country under the guise of ISIS. I mean, they're all over the country. And if you read the headlines every day, there are people who are um, under surveillance. There are people who are uh, being swept up in uh, ISIS cells. Okay? So this is a war powers act to fight ISIS with no geographical boundaries and no time frame. That means anywhere, and anywhere in the planet, so they can go to Africa, they can go to China, they can go to India, they can go to Pakistan, they can go anywhere they want. Now, my greatest concern is all of the gun-grabbing legislation, that uh, executive power that Obama has been trying to push. But then, of course, for ISIS, they could call up the excuse of ISIS anywhere in the United States. They could call anybody ISIS for some stupid Facebook post, okay? And they could actually declare martial law 
uh, you know, for whatever reason. Okay, obviously they're not going to declare martial law over a Facebook post, but you understand the concern here. So, push this message out to your social networks. This is very, very important. Nobody's reporting on this at all. This is a sleeper act that nobody's paying attention to. So we need to get the word out. Hit that share button. Subscribe to the channel for updates. Give us a thumbs up and leave your comments below. Let's have a dialogue on this and how we can defeat it. For the Next News Network, I'm Gary Franchi. Okay, so that's just one of the more, and I, I guess really a common theme more and more that we look at regarding the current events, regarding what the government's doing. And this would be the government's pretty much in all soils of the planet, you know, America included. The word just brazen, I guess, comes to mind. They're getting more brazen in their actions. They're getting more um, out in the open with what they're, they're doing. I think they're also becoming more desperate as more people wake up. And we're going to look at that. That's going to be kind of the theme of this, of this report, the whole report that we're doing today. So the next uh, report is martial law mentality has become the new norm in the United States. And uh, a look at the reports coming in from the winter storm Jonas with cars, people stranded in uh, Pennsylvania, traffic jams in Kentucky, West Virginia, uh, deaths in North Carolina, Kentucky, Virginia, uh, New York, and Maryland, and states of emergencies declared with de facto martial law implemented in New York and Maryland. And we will see a nation full of people that has become so helpless over the past decades that it actually needs the government to control them and tell them what to do and when to do it. When the initial predictions of how bad of a storm Jonas was going to be hit the airways, we suggested people use it as a dry run to test their preparedness levels, an opportunity to discover their strengths and weaknesses, uh, to fine-tune their sur survival skills. Now, I know like where I'm at, virtually the only vehicles I see going down the road, you probably just heard one just pass, is uh, four-wheel drive vehicles. Um, very, very few cars that you're seeing. And this is, I'm on a Sunday, and, and you know, this hit in earnest Friday. Um, it's pretty much paralyzed our area, and we're in the foothills of, of uh, North Carolina. So it's somewhat use to things like this, but but not, you know, sometimes you'll have a year where this, I mean, this is the most snow I've seen since we moved up here. Uh, so five winters we're looking at this is by far that was the most snowfall I've seen at one time actually accumulate on the ground so um, um, we've had winters where we had more snow that was cumulative but this is the as far as a one-time events the most I've I've seen going further it says when the initial predictions of how okay I already read that sorry um by the next day we noted how chaos had rained now this is basically after you know the storm hit chaos had rained panic shoppers were ransacking and emptying store shelves in urban areas while rural areas for the most part maintained common what played out like a tale of two different worlds and the people that reside in them it is now sunday jonas has moved on but the headlines seen and the lack of common sense shown by 80 percent of the u.s population that live in urban areas or big cities is indicative of a nation where the majority of people that live in it have become so helpless that they, they could not survive even a minor disaster uh, if it hits. And and again, this is by design. This is this nanny state that is being created. And when you have the economy doing what it is and more and more people relying on government um, care, whether it's welfare whether it's whatever particular program when people are relying on the government for essentially their survival as that increases you are going to have an increasing uh, segment of the population that obviously is becoming more dependent on the government that is less capable of taking care of themselves in any type of situation you know, even like something like this that we're looking at. And again, it's all by design. They're wanting to create this type of population. That type of population will be very easy to control in the days and times we're moving into. You've heard the expression, you know, you're not going to bite the hand that feeds you. Well, they want as many 
people being fed by the hand of Satan, the U.S. government, as possible. So whenever they fully implement whatever they're planning, they know that they're going to have a large swath of the population that will most likely be compliant. And that large segment of the population that will be compliant will also have no problem going against those that do not want to be compliant. Or will have a less, they will be less likely to um, have any problem with the government going after those that are of a less compliant. And some of that may stem from jealousy. Um, you know, of, of various, there's, there's a lot of different reasons why that could happen. Going further, uh, days in advance it was predicted that Jonas would start dumping snow on Friday through Saturday, yet we see a report early Saturday morning from a local Virginia news station that state police responded to a total, this is just in a local Virginia news station, said that state police responded to a total of 3,471 service calls on Friday. And by Sunday, those numbers had increased exponentially. Remember, Friday is pretty much when it hit. Virginia State Police said since Friday through 6 a.m. Sunday, uh, they responded to a total of 6,621 calls for service, which includes 1,410 traffic crashes and another 2,040 disabled vehicles. According to WCVB5 and ABC affiliate, the storm caused major traffic tie-ups on highways in Kentucky, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania, with accidents Friday night causing a seven-mile-long backlog involving about 500 vehicles on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, straining motors through Saturday afternoon. In central Kentucky, some drivers were stranded along a 35-mile stretch of Interstate 75 for as long as 19 hours, which could be obviously pretty life-threatening. Um, depending on the vehicle and how much gas you had. <clears throat> Question, what on earth were all these people doing on the roads when it was announced days in advance that there would be a massive, historic, and crippling snowstorm with blizzard-like conditions? You know, I, I understand there, there's, I'm sure that some of them had valid reasons, but come on. You know, I mean, it's... It's just one of those things where you kind of shake your head. So, martial law mentality is now becoming the norm. Martial law was declared in New York with police informing residents on Saturday that after 2.30 p.m., p.m., this is basically, you know, in the daytime, if you are after 2.30 p.m. and you're on the road, we will arrest you. Broad daylight, 2.30 p.m., we catch you on the road, you will be arrested. See, again, this is a part of the conditioning program um, for what they would term as the sheeple people. You comply, you do as we say, or we will arrest you. While New York, while the New York threat was highlighted, we see another report that 11 states declared states of emergency. And again, I really believe that's why the government would value events like this because every time an event like this happens, they're going to have uh, that much more time to condition the populace to accept this as the norm. Uh, Eleven other states declared states of emergency. They were Georgia, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Kentucky, North Carolina, New Jersey, New York, Delaware, Virginia, and West Virginia. Washington, D.C. has declared a snow emergency. Now many assume a state of emergency is declared because a state simply needs more resources after an event, but a look at that, uh, what actually the, the term state of emergency is defined as, should make everyone sit up and take notice. So, the term state of emergency is a situation of national danger or disaster in which a government suspends normal constitutional procedures in order to regain control. Why would you need to suspend the Constitution, which helps keep order, in order to gain control sounds like a really lame satanic excuse to me so it can be used as a rationale or pretext for suspending rights and freedoms guaranteed under a country's constitution or basic law from friday to sunday 11 out of the 50 states had suspended the constitutional rights of millions of u.s citizens because of a winter storm so think about that for a minute perhaps that is why the majority of the nation isn't even thinking twice about the fact that congress is attempting to hand over martial law powers to Barack Obama 
in the guise of fighting ISIS. And that's what we reported on in the first report there. Then moving on, the next report, Paul Ryan's strategy to keep the American people safe fails. U.S. to issue visas to 300,000 Muslim invaders. On Wednesday, Senate Democrats successfully and predictably blocked what conservatives described as Representative Paul Ryan's, quote, show vote on refugee admissions. It has been called a show vote because the Ryan plan, even if the president signed it, would still allow the president to bring in an unlimited number of Islamic refugees from an unlimited number of countries. All this guy is is an absolute total continuation, seamless continuation of what Devil Boehner set into motion. 100%. He is of his father the devil and of his lusts he will do. So this is all this this facade of the show vote. Because even if the president signed it, it would still allow the president to bring in an unlimited number of Islamic invaders from an unlimited number of countries. Again, all of this is being done by design to annihilate this country. Lock, stock, and barrel in every way, shape, and form. Democrat filibuster on the motion to proceed to Ryan's show vote comes one month after Speaker Ryan sent President Obama a blank check to fund visa issuances. He's got to pay for it somehow. To nearly 300,000 temporary and permanent Muslim invaders in the next 12 months alone. That's not including the ones that are already here. That's not including the ones they're secretly bringing in. Flying them in on UPS planes and bussing them in on white buses with blackened out windows. That's probably not even including any of that. Or the ones that are sneaking across the borders. This is all This is all supposedly the, the, the official ones that are here. Legal-like. Ryan's decision to fully fund Obama's immigration agenda arguably ceded any leverage he may otherwise have over to the Democrats and ensured the large-scale migration into America would continue and grow. So now, 300,000 more crazy inbred, and we got into that into a a recent recent report, inbred, demon-possessed, Allah-loving, infidel-hating, rapist nut jobs are going to flood into our country. What could possibly go wrong? Oh wait, aren't these the same people who believe rape is justified if a woman doesn't cover herself up? The same people who want to kill us and blow things up? The same people who chant death to America and go to the imams that preach that their God demands they die trying to advance Islam throughout the world and non-believers are swine? The same people who are committing massive genocide against Christians in the Middle East? And all of the pedophilia they commit? And bestiality to boot? Oh yeah, same ones. The Bible says, The Lord hath made all things for himself in Proverbs 16.4. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Well, there must be a really big day of evil coming. Because there's more evil on the planet now than I've you know, ever witnessed. Jeremiah 17, 17 says, Be not a terror unto me, and this is talking to God, Thou art my hope in the day of evil. And this is what we need to keep going back to. God is our hope in the day of evil. Almost 99% of what I see in alternative media, whether they identify themselves as Christian or just somebody like Alex Jones, gives no hope based on, either they give no hope, period, and they just present a bleak um, portrayal of what's coming, what is here. Or everything that they're presenting is 100% man-centered. It's all about me and us and what we're going to do. And listen, yes, I do think we need to be proactive regarding this. And that is extremely important. There's a myriad of ways to be proactive and still be law-abiding, okay? But ultimately, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our hope. 
And I just don't see that being emphasized hardly at all. As things get darker and bleaker, I see less and less emphasis on the Lord Jesus Christ and on his intervention. It's like they're getting their eyes totally fixed on all of like this information that I get into as it gets bleaker and darker and then it becomes, but yet their solution has become more man-centered. The solution lies within us. We're the ones that, that are going to bring about this change. I, I just, it just seems like a common theme. And I'm not saying that because I think I'm some buddy perfect and I always present everything in the perfect possible way and that I emphasize the Lord Jesus Christ enough because I'm sure I fail in that regard in many instances many times. And yes, I let reports through, like the other day I let one through about David Bowie and I had a longtime listener, you know, email me all these Bible verses about, you know, walking circumspectly and things like this and kind of rebuke and it's like, listen man, I'm sorry, I messed up. <laughs> I, I would have never put that report out. I scanned it, but he acted like I didn't scan it at all. You need to really look, okay. I scanned it. It was an extremely long report, but I didn't scan down far enough. And it's, it blows my mind that there, there are like alternative news things out there that expose evil, but have so many unbelievably inappropriate images within the body of what they're trying to expose. And in this particular instance, I didn't scan down far enough, and there were some inappropriate images. would have never put the thing out. And I apologize if anybody, you know, saw that. But I scanned really far down, and I, I didn't see them. I thought, okay, I've scanned down this far. Well, I was wrong. So stuff gets by me. I'm, I'm not perfect, and I would be the first to admit that. And if it were possible, you know, I would say that, that you know, <laughs> like I said, I did, if I got what I deserved, I'd get death and hell. I'm not saying I'm perfect. And I don't want to sit here and say I'm Mr. Sanctimonious and holier than thou, and everybody's not emphasizing the Lord Jesus Christ enough, and only I am. I'm not saying that, but I mean, I see hardly any emphasis on it as things get darker. And it's human nature to want to do, it's human nature for me, I catch myself doing it, you know, re regarding what's coming. It's hard not to do that. And I would speak to myself as much as I would be speaking to any of my listeners regarding like this subject and regarding like these Bible verses, be not a terror unto me. Thou art my hope in the day of evil. But keeping your eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, I think, is, is um, needs to be preeminent regarding the days and times we're going into, um, in not only everyday life, but regarding the days and times we're going into. Jeremiah 17, 18, the next verse says, Let them be confounded that persecute me, but let, me, but let not me be confounded. Let them be dismayed, but let not me be dismayed. Because this, this information that we get into in, in every week, and this week's no exception, is very dismaying. It's very disturbing. It can be very discouraging if you're just looking at it, particularly apart from a biblical lens. Bring upon them the day of evil. And destroy them with double destruction. Now remember, the Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. The wicked go astray from the womb, they speak lies as soon as they be born. The Bible says that. The Bible talks about in Hebrews that these are vessels of wrath fitted, meaning prepared ahead of time for God's destruction. Jude talks about these were men of old. They were ordained unto this condemnation. They crept in basically to the body of Christ, unawares. People weren't aware of them. But that Jesus Christ talks about the, the parable of the wheat and the tares. And the tares being the, the, the children of the wicked one. So there is a sect of humanity that is wicked, and they are never going to be anything but wicked. A weed cannot be anything but a weed. I don't believe they're redeemable, I don't believe it's possible. The Bible says God created them that way. Now, is it for me to judge who is who can be saved and who can't? No, no I'm not saying that, but a, a tree is known by its fruit. Okay, I'm not God. I don't judge, and I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for them. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for 
their salvation. But the fact remains, apart from all of that, is there is a sect of humanity, and it seems to be an ever-increasing sect, that are the children of the wicked one. It's just good to kind of keep that in perspective. Not as though we sit up there in judgment, so, well, that one can be saved and that one cannot be. Okay, I'm not, not talking about that. But the fact remains there is a sect of, of humanity that that is the case, and God created them for the day of evil. And they are fitted, they are prepared ahead of time for God's destruction. So when he says, bring upon them the day of evil and destroy them with double destruction, that, that, that's, that's their end anyway. It's just a matter of how quick they get to hell, essentially. God knows who they are. That's the thing. God knows who they are. And when the Bible says in Psalm 64 that God will shoot at them with an, arrow, with an arrow, suddenly shall they be wounded, so they shall make their own tongues to fall upon themselves. That, yes, can be in reference to a literal wicked person, but it can also, I believe, be in reference to the devils that inhabit their flesh. These devils, when they're not inhabiting a person's flesh, are disembodied. And my prayer for them would be that they be cast into the abyss. Until which time they then be cast into the lake of fire. And that none would be able to come to put, take their place. Because if you kill a wicked person, those devils just go and try to seek and inhabit another body. That's what the Bible says clearly in the Gospels. Jesus Christ talked about that. That when a wicked spirit goeth out, go out of a person, it goeth into a desert, into dry places. And then it comes back and tries to bring seven more wicked than itself to go back into the person. So ultimately, our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's against these devils that inhabit the flesh of wicked people. That's where the true battle is. And that's something we don't want to get our eyes off as well. That's really way more important. Dealing with the spiritual cause and entities that inhabit many of these people are basically on demonic autopilot yes they're a willing vessel but it's the devils and demons that inhabit them they're the real mastermind behind the wickedness that that person commits and i pray if it be possible their souls be saved but god knows the beginning from the end he knows who is capable of being saved and who is not capable of being saved that's God's business. So, Exodus 23, 27. I will send my fear before thee. God's saying this. I will send my fear, the fear of God before thee, and I will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. God can make your enemies cowards. Why is that unbiblical to pray that? If you have pure wickedness pursuing you, why is that unbiblical? If it were possible that one of these people, your enemies that were pursuing you, if it were possible that they could be saved, do you think it would be more likely they would be saved if they were all bowed up and proud and defied against God or that they had the fear of God on them and they actually started seeing who really has the power in this universe? Well, obviously, they're going to be much more receptive to the gospel if the fear of God is on them. The fear of God leadeth thee to repentance. It's one of the things the fear of God can do. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, knowledge. An unsaved person's... The best tool for an unsaved person to get saved, I believe, is the fear of God. Now, I understand you could say the love of God. True, yes. But I'm talking about a really just flat-out wicked person. Well, even, even one that would be self-righteous. I think there needs to be a balance there. Love of God, fear of God. And the fear of God is also associated with more blessings than any other thing that I can associate with in the Bible. The beginning of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. 
So fear of God is not something you feel like you possess that much of. Pray for it. I think it's absolutely essential regarding the days and times we're going into for Christians to be operating under the fear of God. And not the mentality of, oh, God's the big guy in the sky and he's my good buddy and all this other stuff. I just, it's not biblical. Deuteronomy 23.3, and, and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not, and do not tremble. Neither be terrified because of them. God's saying, fear not. The Bible says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. So, again, almost all the information that I'm seeing from alternative media that is exposing a lot of the wickedness that is going on, that is valid, they don't emphasize this. They're instilling the fear of man. Because they're not being biblically balanced in the way they're presenting the information so much of the time. And I, I really believe that's a big reason this ministry exists. To try to keep a balance regarding that subject. And again, like I said, I don't always succeed in that. I'm sure I fail a lot in that regard. But it is something that I try to maintain my conviction on or hopefully the Lord is maintaining a conviction regarding when I do the audio studies in particular. Harder to kind of do that with, with the current event newsletters. I'm, although I do put Bible verses in there. Going further, uh, Joshua 10.25 And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed, be strong and of good courage. For thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom ye fight. I believe that God is looking for Christians that have this mindset. Because what does that mindset say to God? That you have faith. That you have faith to believe that God is the one in control and he will go before you you know, and prepare the way. It's faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you don't feel like your faith is large enough, pray for it. Pray for increased faith. Full armor of God. Okay, and it says, above all, above all, of all the implements, above all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The bigger your faith, the bigger your shield. I, I believe that. So you're going to be able to quench more fiery darts of the wicked one, the bigger your faith is. It's pretty awesome. 2 Kings 17.39, But the Lord your God shall ye fear, and he shall deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. So that's who we're supposed to fear. Not the government, not whatever. You fear God and he shall deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. Second Chronicles 20, 29. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of, of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So when God, see, here's the thing. When God does this, the Bible says it in Psalm 64. After God shoots at them with an arrow, and they're wounded, says, all men shall see and fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider of his doing. And the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. So see, all men shall see and fear. And they shall declare the work of God. They're going to witness what they saw God do. All men. Saved and unsaved. And then the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him, which builds their faith and all the upright and heart shall glory. So it increases their faith and it gives them its encouragement. When, when the body of Christ sees God judging wickedness, it's an encouragement to the body of Christ. Yes, it'll probably 
also instill more fear of God in the body of Christ and the unsaved, it'll create an atmosphere where people can actually get saved. Without fear of God, if there's no fear of God, it's, you're not going to see a lot of conversions to Christ. Man needs to understand that he's hanging over hell by a thread. That's a really good mindset to be in regarding... If, if he thinks that God's the big guy in the sky and the heavenly bellhop, he's not going to have any motivation to get saved. For the most part. I'm trying to look at it like I would think God would kind of look at it. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm God. I'm just saying this is kind of seems the way that, that I would think God would look at it from that standpoint. I'm sure I'm not doing it near justice, but anyway, so so we have those Bible verses. I wanted to definitely emphasize that, and particularly regarding what we're going to start to cover now, or, or further in. Okay, so continuing on, and, and again, I, uh, this is just a little extra regarding the, the Muslims, the 300,000 more Muslims that they're going to accept into the country through legal visas. Uh, this and this is just a couple bullet points. German government admits we cannot account for 600,000 Muslim immigrants we've allowed in. Remember, they just started taking them in. Was it like over the summer? Well, we already don't know where 600,000 of them are. That is more than half of the 1.1 million applications made in the country. Many could be roaming Europe with multiple identities. They're admitting this. All by design. Unbelievable. Then I got, switching gears here, a listener in uh, northern Canada named Barry says, I find it frustrating that people assume food everywhere is affordable. The cost of food alone is expensive where I live due to fuel and shipping. Everything is shipped by plane. While dangerous goods are shipped by barge. I had to budget my groceries. The reason why I'm not diabetic yet, due to eating mostly boiled and baked. Now, I wasn't 100% clear on that, as if he attributes the reason he's not diabetic uh, to eating mostly boiled and baked. I wasn't 100% sure on that. But diabetes are a major problem among Aborigine and Inuit. Um, I don't know if you want to call them Indians or... I'm not exactly 100% sure, but yeah, diabetes are a major problem. In uh, and, and that goes with the American Indians as well. Uh, and then he says, before you say anything about organic food and grass-fed, they're impossible to get. Trust me, it's impossible. Anyways, now imagine living in remote small communities around the Arctic Circle, a.k.a. the Nunavut, that, Nunavut. Indians, evidently. The Inuit people have been through a lot, not to mention that they had to rummage through the local dump to find anything that is edible. Me, a Cree nation, a Cree First Nation man and a Canadian, I found that disturbing. So Barry is a Cree nation, Cree, C-R-E-E, um, nation, Indian, and a Canadian, I found that disturbing. The news are a bit, this is a bit dated, but he wanted to give me some more information about it. Here's a link. And um, in the body of this report, it says, when it comes to buying buying the variety and quantity of food they need, none of it residents have it harder than anyone else in the country, in Canada. According to a news report from Statistics Canada, none of it has the highest rate of food insecurity. I'll explain that in a second. 36.7%. That number is more than four times the Canadian average of 8.3%. Food insecurity means being unable to afford the proper quantity and variety of foods required to eat healthy. Now, this is going to become more and more and more the norm everywhere. But they typically will always beta test on an Indian type, um, Native Indian populations in America and in Canada, I mean, the atrocities that have been committed against the Indians, obviously, since, you know, this country start to be colonized, I mean, it's legion, it's huge, I have a gigantic soft spot for, like, the Native American Indians in America, and Canada, you know, wherever they've been, you know, 
I, I hate injustice. I, I hate unrighteousness. And what was done to them was, what, I mean, I could do a 20-part study on that alone. So he gives a couple more links, and my response is, I said, Barry, yes, you're right. This is all, and this is all by design. See below. We're going to get into that next. And I, again, his his timing was impeccable because now there's all of this these reports coming out regarding the next report is entitled "Is Obama on the Verge of Starving Millions of Americans into Submission?" But I believe that a lot of this has been done to the Native Indian populations first, you know, and in a beta testing scheme. And then I say I am not judging you. And I totally believe what you're saying. I am going to report on your email. God bless you. And, you know, uh, you know when he says, before you say anything about organic food and grass-fed, they're impossible to get. Trust me, it's impossible. I, I believe you. I believe you. And, and all I could really say is, is, you know, it's to pray for you. And, I mean, just for the body of Christ praying for one another, regarding the situation because I believe that this is going to become more and more the norm. Food is going to be one of the major ways, weapons of warfare in the coming New World Order. And I know I've went over these verses before, but it's probably appropriate right now to actually go over these verses one more time. Preparation regarding the end times. Revelation 6.5 and when he'd opened the third seal, and heard the third beast say, Come and see, and beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat upon him had a pair of balances in his hand. Revelation 6.6 6, And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Now, the a measure of wheat, the measure is a, basically is a unit of measurement which is less than a quart or as much as would support a man of moderate appetite for one day a penny which is from the um underlying greek word denarion is a roman silver coin in new testament times called a denarius it was the principal silver coin of the roman empire from the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, it would seem that a denarius was then the ordinary day's pay for a day's wages, according to Matthew 22 through 13. So in the end times, when the black horse rides, and I, I do believe we're going to see a building to that, in order to just feed yourself for one person for a day, it's going to require all an average man's day's wages. And that's including no other thing, no other expense. Everything that, in sense, everything that you would earn in a day's wage would have to go to totally feeding you. This is what we're moving into, and it's and it's biblical. What we're seeing here. The Bible says, if we have wisdom, and again, I'm not saying this in any judgmental way. Okay, I'm saying that this is what the Bible says, and I realize a lot of people aren't in a position where, or maybe they're just coming on to this information. Maybe they've not been in a position financially where they could do this. But the Bible says, if we can do this, this is wise. If we have wisdom, we should prepare for this, like God instructed Joseph to do. Genesis 41:34. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up a fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. Now I understand we don't have seven years. Okay? But it's the principle that I'm talking about here. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land perish not through famine. Okay, so that's wisdom. Proverbs 10.5 He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Proverbs 6.6 6, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which have no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat, meaning food, in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. 
Proverbs 22.3, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. What we're, we're foreseeing right now is more evil than I've ever seen in my life. 1 Timothy 5.8, but if any provide not for his own, and especially days for, of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Proverbs 10.2, treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. Proverbs 10.3 The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. So those are just some biblical principles to think about. I'm going to go ahead now, and this wasn't even in the, uh, the study here. I'm going to post this in the PDF for this date for January 24th, 2016. And uh, that way you can have access to these to these verses. Okay, so continuing on, and again, this is kind of on the same line of, of thinking. Is Obama on the verge of starving millions of Americans into submission? And yes, there's a lot of different tools the New World Order can use against us in order to bring its populace into submission. This is obviously one of the main ones. Uh, there's a little chart here and it says, child hunger still soaring, number, number of New York City children living in food insecure homes. Remember that, that definition I just gave you of food security, I believe is what it was. The um, yeah, food insecurity means being unable to afford the proper quantity and variety of foods required to eat healthy. Put it this way, if, and again, now they're defiling the foods through the GMO, through the chemicals, through un, you know, the water supplies defiled, fluoride, chlorine, all of the chemicals are pumping into it. They're doing more to defile the food supply now than ever has ever been recorded in the history of mankind. I'd, I'd almost guarantee you that. So, all of that is being done by design because they know that if you put garbage fuel into the body, you're not going to get a good outcome, obviously. If you put bad gas in a car, you know, it's not going to run right. And they want to try to make sure that, that whatever you're putting into your body, whether it be food or liquids, whatever that is, it is the most defiled concoction of evil. And somebody in that, that, that that's eating that particular way typically they're not going to have a clean clear thinking mind they're they're going to be typically you know um suffer from a lot of fatigue a lot of brain fog a lot of you know things that where resisting the new world order would be the last thing on their mind from 2010 to 2012 one in five new york city children lived in food insecure homes and again that's only going to get worse now Quote from Thomas Jefferson, If people let the government decide what foods they eat and what medicines they take, their bodies will soon be in, a sor in as sorry a state as the souls of those who live under tyranny. Great point. Now, I have a lot of problems, though, with Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson in general. One of the main ones being and I, I, I've mentioned this before, but I kind of wanted just to go over this really quickly because his his name was quoted. It was a really good quote. I wanted to quote it, but I couldn't quote it and not talk about this particular subject. And this is a sidebar. We're going to get a little, you know, veer off here, of course, for a second. Um, it's called The Blasphemy of Thomas Jefferson in the Jefferson Bible. The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth, commonly referred to as the Jefferson Bible, was a book constructed by Thomas Jefferson in the later years of his life by cutting and pasting with razor and glue numerous sections from the New Testament as extractions of the doctrine of Jesus. Jefferson's condensed composition is especially notable for its, its exclusion of all miracles by Jesus and most mentions of the supernatural, including sections of the four Gospels, which contain the resurrection and most other miracles and passages indicating Jesus was divine. So in other words, Jefferson was like, no, you're just another guy. You're just a good man. There's nothing divine about you. You're not God. You're not the son of God. You're who I say you are. 
blasphemous Thomas Jefferson. Essentially, Jefferson took the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and merged them into one chronological story, only 82 pages long. Of the 3,779 verses in all four books, he extracted only 1,089, or just 29% of the Gospels. In a letter to his friend William Short, he said, quote, I separate, therefore, the gold from the dross. So this devil had the audacity to say that there were obviously, what do you have to say, 79% of the, um, <laughs> unbelievable, was dross like reprobate silver, essentially. Yes, yeah, so in his estimation of the gospel, 71% of it you could throw out. Because he only used 29%. And he said to this friend, he says, I separate therefore the gold from the dross. Oh, really? So you like all the new age bible versions like the niv for instance which you know has like 74 over 74,000 less words than a kjv have decided to move remove whole verses from the bible the niv does that and all, all the other new age bible versions essentially the ones that aren't translated from the textus receptus the majority text the byzantine text like the king james is all of those pretty much follow the same pattern translated from the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus to corrupt Catholic Roman manuscripts, ultimately into the revised version of 1881 by two high-level occultists named Westcott and Hort. He was doing nothing different than they were doing, except he was just being a little more aggressive, <laughs> obviously. It's just like Lucifer when he fell. He says, I shall be like the Most High. I will ascend into the sides of north. I will be like God. That's what you do when you start removing whole sections of the Bible and say and, and decide what stays and what goes. What utter rank blasphemy. Talk about having no fear of God. That's why when I always hear the stuff where they where they, you know, praise this guy, I just cringe. And there's a whole lot of other stuff I could get into with Jefferson. He left out redundancies, miracles, and parts he considered unbelievable, unreliable, or unnecessary to appreciate the moral teachings of Jesus, which Jefferson considered to be the most sublime and benevolent code of morals which has ever been offered to man. Oh, I'm surprised he'd say that much. What, why did he do that? Well, whatever he didn't like. It was all based on his heartfelt convictions. And the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And he who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. And there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. All of those verses absolutely apply to Jefferson and what he did here. What rank utter blasphemy. But pride blinds you. And obviously, this devil was operating in a lot of pride. And whenever you're a man that becomes elevated, whether it's a political office, whether it's Hollywood, whether it's in sports, that is the main thing that anyone in those positions, from a biblical standpoint, would want to try to guard against. Because pride blinds you. You don't see that you're doing anything wrong. You don't see your sin at all. And he obviously didn't see his sin in doing this. He was proud. He was glorying in his shame, as the Bible talks about. 100%. No fear of God. The so-called Jefferson Bible has been placed at the back on display in a newly expanded exhibit at the Smithsonian's American History Museum on the National Mall. The Smithsonian, one of the most wicked organizations on planet earth as far as i'm concerned single-handedly is the reason that all 
virtually all of the giant skeletons that have been discovered in America, and even, I believe, elsewhere, have been whisked away and disappeared. Because that doesn't fit into the Darwinian narrative and would confirm what the Bible says. So we can't have anything that doesn't fit into the Darwinian, even though Darwinism makes no sense whatsoever and can be debunked and disproved on so many levels. It defies logic, the mind. I'm reading a whole book about it right now. When I have a little bit of extra time, I this one book, it's, it's re relatively new, but it's on all of the the old newspaper reports on all the reports going back into the 1800s into the United States of all the giant skeletons that have been found in America. Almost always they're found in Indian burial mounds. Anywhere from 7 feet up to 18 feet. Report after report after report what i'd like to do one of these days and then there's another one that i read on the solomon islands they're still dealing with giants there i mean that's just a fact of life there actual absolute fact of life for the native people there particularly the ones that live um inland but see none of that fits the new world order darwinian narrative anything that would actually give any validity to the Bible. They can't have that. What I'd like to do, I've, I've dog-eared the pages, and I'd like to just have one teaching where I just go over both of those books. Of course, I don't know if I could do it in one teaching. It might take multiple parts. But yeah, it's, it's overwhelming, absolutely overwhelming, what the Smithsonian's done. Evil, wicked. And, and by the very, ver very fact that they've guarded this, well, it doesn't surprise me, you know. Anyway, <clears throat> this blasphemous work can be visited at the Smithsonian American History Museum and the National Mall in a gallery dedicated to it on the museum's second floor. Revelation, I mean, um, good old Jefferson, boy, he needed to read these verses. But these are probably some of the ones that he never gave any validity to. Revelation twenty two eighteen. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the word from the words of the book of this prophecy, which he was doing on a level I've never seen anybody do, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. So. That's really scary stuff there. Let's go back to the main report. Let me quickly review Obama's possible motivations for martial law. First, his administration faces the brunt of three separate monetary debts that will be defaulted on. Number one, the national deficit of $19 trillion. Number two, the unfunded liabilities of such social programs as welfare, Social Security, and Medicare to the tune of 238 trillion dollars and number three the staggering derivatives debt that modern day nation states have agreed to assume in the amount of at least 1.5 quadrillion dollars keep in mind that the sum total of wealth for the whole planet is only 65 to 75 trillion dollars the derivatives debt alone for bank of america is 80 trillion which is more than the entire value of money on the planet <laughs> just just for bank of america in short these debts can never be paid off and the interest alone will crush this country when the united states cannot pay the interest on the debt we will default and the system will come crashing down and we will not have just 50 million food stamp recipients rioting it will be nearly all of america most likely obama will not let the debt crisis get out of control to where most americans will take to the streets that's theory it's theory on his part uh he would seek to control the situation before the situ crisis hits and becomes a case of political and economic suicide the government would subdue its soon-to-be-riding population before its population started hanging bankers and politicians from the nearest lamppost. Obama has another motivation to subdue American people before the full brunt of the public's anger has a chance to coalesce. Obama has had five water, Watergate scandals in his administration. And now, because of Eamon Bundy and his followers are exposing the heavy-handed practices of the BLM to force as many ranchers and farmers off their land, which also would contribute to no food, Obviously, that's another agenda why this is happening. 
an increasing number of Americans are beginning to see that the government wants to control all food and food production. Slowly, America's realizing that in this land of poverty, or in this land of plenty, Americans will soon be starved into submission. Millions will die. This fact is exacerbated by the fact that I recently interviewed farming experts Ed Petrowski and Cliff Harris about their unfolding prediction that at least 15% of the nation's farms and ranchers will be leaving the food growing industry. Again, by design. This coupled with a plunging Baltic index of under 370 means that the American people will soon face a food crisis of biblical proportions. Now again, this is Dave Hodge's theory. He says the Bundy standoff, which we're going to talk about more about uh, in the next report, the Bundy standoff, and I don't know why they're calling it the Bundy, because the Bundy, Eamon Bundy's just one of the people up there. Yes, he's their main spokesperson at this point, but it's not, I mean, it really shouldn't be called the Bundy standoff. Okay, uh, it's not even the Bundy's land that they're in reference to. But anyway, the Bundy standoff could become the catalyst for the coming civil disobedience of farmers and ranchers in the West. Obama cannot allow this. He will move against the American people, and food seems to be the most likely avenue of attack. Knowing these facts, would you not preemptively move to head off the crises with a series of false flag attacks, which provide the, which would provide the justification for martial law? Obviously, that's a plausible theory. Under martial law, Obama could thwart any legitimate challenge to the tyranny unfolding in, the, in this country. Under martial law, he could preposition assets to thwart the financial and food riots unfolding in this country. Under martial law, he could preposition assets to thwart the financial and food riots that are surely coming to America when the financial debts deliver a death blow to the economy and ultimately the banking system in general. The wide-ranging food control policies of Executive Order 13603 which has been signed. Um, at the time of the president's choosing, the federal government may take over all forms of energy, all forms of civil transportation, all forms of water from all sources. I mean, this is just total insanity. All commodities and products that are capable of being ingested by either human beings or animals. That means all food and water. Health resources, drugs, biological products, medical devices, materials, facilities, health supplies, services, and equipment. Induction of citizens into the military against their will. Okay. The term all food storage facilities in Executive Order 13603 means that includes your refrigerator, your pantry, and even the very food in your cabinets as well as what is on your kitchen table. In short, anywhere you keep food is now under the control of the government and can be seized and redistributed. Those who are storing food, you better find a way to hide at least a portion of your stockpile. Have, have you recently been scratching your head in bewilderment as you watch on the news as the Amish have been had their farms raided, raw milk producers have been jailed, and the kids running lemonade stands have been shut down and ticketed? Now you know why these abuses are being perpetuated by the government in that it represents a mirror conditioning process designed to get all U.S. citizens used to the idea that the government owns all food and food production. Welcome to the Hunger Games, American style. So the conclusion is, in this particular report, FEMA says that the average American has less than 72 hours of food, worth of food. Wow. Stalin and Hitler both used food as a weapon of mass destruction against their people. Obama is next. Please look at the following. The Hunger Games movie promoted the high-speed bullet train connecting the districts together. Through the vast, uninhabited biodiversity zones, billions are being spent today in pursuit of this Agenda 21 futuristic form of travel reserved solely for the elite. The BLM... We'll see to it, and again, that's a little ways off, but he's making a point. The BLM will see to it that there are no ranchers and farmers, and food production by these groups will plummet to zero. And again, this is his theory. In the Hunger Games movie, this was the Wildlands Biodiversity Boundary surrounding District 21. There's a picture of um, the lead actress girl next to this fence. And then here's another picture of District 12. It says where you can starve to death in safety. Henry, Henry Kissinger, here's a quote here, says, Control the oil and you control the nations. Control the food and you control the people. Welcome to the squalor of Agenda 21 in the government. On behalf of the elite, they will soon control all food. And when you desperately need something to eat, where will you go? And again, none of this Dave Hodges, and this is typical for him, even though he says he's a Christian, none of it's ever God-centered. None of it is ever looking to the Lord Jesus Christ for deliverance it's all doom and gloom we're gonna die 
you know and, that, and this is my problem got a lot of great information but this is why i try to temper it with you know the bible and, and the word of god so that's all i have for part um one and we will go to part two next god bless you Scott Johnson's 1,000-plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free 24-7 on the Internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H.com. In addition, we also offer a free Christian current event and health email newsletter. You can sign up at contendingfortruth.com. These email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists. Please prayerfully help us to continue this work. For mail correspondence or to support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2359 Highway 70 Southeast, number 321, Hickory, NC, 28602. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.